0: Hello, hello sacred, sacred beings. beings welcome to sacred sister podcast join us as we normalize the magic and sacralize the mundane expanding consciousness and deepening awareness to support you in leading a life full of healing meaning and magic i'm your host Britt lynn energetic cartographer and personal transformation coach I'm your host Hanalina, a certified astrologer, rebirth coach, and sorceress. If you're brand new here, welcome, beloved. We are so grateful, so happy to have you here. If you're a seasoned sacred being, welcome back. Thank you so much for your support, for your listenership, and we look forward to seeing you in the show. Let's dive in.
1: Welcome to Sacred Sister Podcast, my beautiful sacred beings. Wow, we are so excited to be sitting here with Annette Miller. Oh, such a beautiful, powerful being. She is an empowerment guide, a witch, and a maverick creatrix. Her invitation is for women to reclaim their wholeness by getting to know their shadows. Her signature methodology of the four reclaimed archetypes, this is what we're going to be talking about in this episode, supports women in finding freedom through transmuting their shame. So we are so excited because these four reclaimed archetypes are the bitch, the witch, the dyke, and the slut. And so we're going to be diving deep into reclaiming those, transmuting that shame into power, and talk about in general how it is to be a witch and own your own business. <laughs> so welcome Annette Miller. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Mm, thank you for having me. Yeah, I feel really honored to be in a space of sisterhood and to to yeah have my, my voice be added to your magical space and podcast.
0: Mm. We're so excited to have you here. And you know, one of the things that we really, really love to invite each and every one of our guests to do is to help ground the audience down into some of what your energy is about, some of what your medicine is about. So if you'd like to, we'd love to turn the stage over to you and be under your guidance.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm very grateful to do this because it, it also is medicine for myself whenever I hold space or... Or speak in an interview, I begin by tapping my chest. So I just invite everyone to get comfortable and breathe. And sometimes we forget to catch our breath. So just by gently tapping our collarbones and yeah, rolling the neck, my voice as it Calms will be the vibration that will also soothe and bring you into that co-regulation. So breathing in through the nose and ah, exhaling and actually audibly exhaling as well. So like finding the deeper, the deeper vibration of your voice. This is especially important as women. Maybe you want to use two hands and just. Notice if there's yeah, any tension or anxiety or holding in the chest and just under the collarbones, in the sternum. It's also like the warrior. I feel like a lot of my work is the warrior. So if it feels good to bring a little bit more mm, pressure to, to feel the energy of your heart, of your hands, and just continue to... Uh, uh, sigh it out make the sounds I love the grungy girly ugly sounds so however deep and yeah unpretty and unnice your sound can be the better uh, uh just giving a shake as you hear yourself, as you sound yourself into the space, into the room. And yeah, gently coming to a stillness with your hand on your heart and your other hand on your belly. And just feeling your heart beating. Just taking a moment to feel the aliveness that you've cultivated. And I ask for both myself and the space that we create to be one of truth and to allow yourself to receive whatever is shared from your heart, from your gut, from the discernment of your own intuition and to, yes, let the wisdom land, let the The ripples, the liberations, the the igniting um, feel and be felt in your body and the triggers (laughs) because that's really where I see the treasures in the triggers and yeah welcome and I'm very grateful and excited to be here with you all.
1: Ah, oh, wow! Thank you so much. I loved how I was at some point like banging against my chest like a gorilla, <laughs> feeling this warrior energy coming up. I love that. That's yeah, so powerful when we tune into that feel. And I also when you were saying, you know, just let it out these sounds. We as women, especially, were or many of us were kind of raised in a way that we have to always sound graceful and it always has to be you know beautiful the way that we use our voice and like, was, like. Mm, yes mm. <laughs> yes exactly and like always of like up higher more there and it's such a it's such a transformation that I felt in my personal life too when I allowed myself to dive into my actual voice (laughs) my actual Mm -hmm. voice that is much deeper I remember when I was a girl I would say to my mom is my voice too deep do I sound like a boy and I would start that was like the moment where I started to like pitch my voice higher so that I would sound more like a girl and it's Mm -hmm. it's just wild those programs that we receive through society for through the way that we we're raised and maybe even through past lives and ancestral lineages that we kind of shame ourselves for the more natural way of being as a woman. And then we're coming into this lifetime of realizing, wow, why, why do I feel so restricted? Why do I feel limited in my expression? Why is it so hard for me to just be confident and authentic and feel empowered in who I am until we look into those triggers, into those dark Sides within us to the shadows, and that's where we can find the treasure. So I love how you just said the triggers are the treasures. So share with us a little bit about how do you use the shame and turn it into the power for women. Mm
2: yeah i I just recently, even last night was going through my my gene keys and my archetype and looking back on my life as this provocative person, always this kind of witch as a child, always stirring the pot, always you know just finding things and people where I could stir and elicit reaction. and as I've matured, I really see now there's a gift in igniting people in seeing where we hide and shame in particular for me was a journey of having to liberate myself out of I held a lot of shame I I let shame constrict me I was very tall I was very loud yeah I had a lot of presence and it was intimidating and so slowly but surely Along with growing up in South Africa and the history of guilt and white shame, I just really let shame, sexual trauma shame, yeah, hold me back. And I saw, wow, particularly for women, shame is that emotion that eats at our life force, that that really is the kind of, yeah, the way that we, we hold ourselves back from our full potential, from our full expression um and so what I really say is how as soon as you expose shame it dies shame dies on exposure so how can we shine a light on it how can we you know stir it up bring it to the surface um and through my own journey of of shadow work and and bringing up my shame I realized like wow if I just admit that I have this guilt I have this STD, I have this sexual trauma, I have these life experiences, as soon as they're out there, they become actually access points to my freedom and to my, yeah, my way of also expressing the complexity and beauty of of who I am. And the wisdom that I hold through those, um, you know, would be shameful stories.
0: I love that. That's so beautiful. I feel like it's this activation of immaculate self-awareness, no? Just like really allowing the self-study to take form, to really approach our altar space, our sacred space, our desk, our, you know, wherever it is that we commune with ourselves, to allow. I'd love to hear your take on really activating self-compassion and grace for these harsher truths that inevitably surface when we do begin sitting with these. I know that it can be very challenging to face in our own skin. And then sometimes we can feel like we need someone to tell, which opens a whole new world. Are they a safe space? Are they able to receive this truth? How do you guide people in this realm to really sit with these pieces of ourselves, these pieces of truth safely.
2: Mm. Yeah, I I have this radical sort of belief that I don't think there is any safety. I actually don't like to even call my spaces safe because I think safety is an illusion and it it really is something that has to be cultivated within. And actually the whole journey of this life is that radical self-love that only you can embody. And actually, nobody can shame you if you don't shame yourself. And so every time you share a story, however it's received, it's just a reflection of actually where you're at in that moment in time with that story for yourself. Because I have thought that I'm sharing in a safe space or, you know, giving my story to a family member or a friend and and realizing and seeing the kind of projection and fear and, and judgment. And then yeah, having to go through this journey yet again of of forgiving myself, of finding compassion for the other in a way, of you know where they're at and what they're able to to hold or um, yeah, witness. and and it just kind of loops back into, wow, I have to really, really accept myself. I have to really, really accept all, yeah, all parts of me. And only I can liberate myself ultimately.
0: I love that perspective so much. I love that perspective so much because it's true. We can really have a perception about what safety is or what it feels like or how we expect it from other people. And then just as you were saying, I myself have experienced in spaces where I, I think it's a safe container, actually really deep yeah, projections and judgments about what my experience is that I'm sharing. And then I have to leave that. And I, I have a whole nother process to go through because it's somewhat traumatic sharing my truth yeah. in a space that actually didn't feel safe at all. So I love I love that. and And wouldn't you say that sometimes when you are discovering these really deep truths, there really is nothing else to do but to collapse and to allow yeah. yourself to be in shambles for a little while. That is a part of the reclamation mm. process the empowerment process
2: <laughs> yeah oh my gosh there is no rebirth without death like it's mm-hmm. the ultimate and i actually think that's really why i embody and reclaim the witch because it's just a it's just a woman who is connected to nature and nature being her own nature her own cyclical nature of death of going into these you know moments of Absolute identity crisis, shambles, breakdown, heartbreaks, deaths, changes, and and really seeing them as the medicine, actually, as the 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 alchemy, as the beauty that then births these yeah these new seeds, these new truths, these new aspects of
1: of oneself. Mm. That's like the most beautiful description of a witch that I've ever heard. (laughs) So true. Mm. It's so true. And when you are feeling into that witch archetype, how does that translate to the way that you do business?
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's a work in progress for sure. (laughs) I feel... um, business i have busyness even the word i'm i'm trying to move away from because there's so much there's so much conditioning around business in our world it's so difficult to actually form a, a business in a construct that is of capitalism and exploitation and power over and so i guess how i attempt to be in right relationship with business is, really offering service from integrity and letting it be because I think about in matriarchal tribes where everybody had a service everybody had an offering a product in the marketplace and that's how money moved and so as soon as I find myself doing something for money instead of for the artistry or the service I know then that I'm falling into a trap of the the old hamster wheel system. So yes, my 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 business, my art is my love and it I I really try in in all that I do to let it be honest, to give when I am full and and can give and yeah, to trust that I will receive as much as I need as well and to be okay with not receiving sometimes and and not making these huge sums and these seven figures and being in that yeah, idea of what a good business is and rather one that's kind of organic and sustaining and ultimately feels really good as the person offering. Mm.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And it's so interesting because I've been moving through the same thing where I don't want to call it my business anymore because I'm like busyness. I'm like, oh, (laughs) how can we reclaim Or like shift that wording in a sense so that it feels more aligned and it's more like a calling almost or a a mission or, you know, something where we, yeah, it's like we've been talking about this on Sacred Sister podcast too, how we see in this age of Aquarius how business has been shifting so much and people are starting to actually feel into okay what are my gifts what are my passions what brings me joy what is my unique medicine that I can bring into this world and this is what I'm sharing with others just as you were saying back in the day we all had something either we were making something or we had some sort of service and we bring it to the marketplace and we're sharing with each other and we're trading, and. This is how a community thrives. And if everyone would do what brings them joy and follows their passion and did the thing that they were meant to do in this lifetime, that was just comes naturally through their unique way of being and their story and their medicine. That, that profit making comp- competitive marketplace wouldn't be there anymore because we wouldn't see each other as competition and feeling like, okay, I need to force growth yeah. to happen to be on top in yes. my business niche or, you know, like that old patriarchal, the toxic patriarchal way that we have been conditioned to believe that always focuses on result oriented mm-hmm. and um, hierarchy uh, hierarchy yeah mm-hmm.
2: yeah totally it it really does dissolve the hierarchy because, you are so unique and nobody can be you and no one can steal from you or attempt to create like you. You are an absolute miracle. And when you really are acting in integrity and truth, Mm -hmm. and I I always share this with women when I do the facilitator training, like forget what I'm doing and how I offer, tap deep into your own essence and that's how you'll magnetize your customers that's people are attracted to truth that's magnetic so when there's like true art and true service and amazing coaches that are really sharing their unique story they will find their audience they will find their customers um because there's a, a lot of crap actually <laughs> in the world so it, it it the truth finds its way to the people. Um yeah
0: wow. and And speaking of, actually, you just said about magnetizing through uh, just through the truthiness of your movement. this morning, I woke up. gosh, what time was it? It was early. It was like five thirty in the morning or something. We went to sleep very early last night, so I woke up very early. And I began perusing your Instagram. And just in preparation for this, it was so lovely because the artistry and the creations that you create first off are, you can feel that truth. You can feel that truth. You can witness your practice. That's something that really draws me into the people that I find being my mentors later on and There was a video that you uploaded recently of you and it looked like a girlfriend just absolutely in rapture is the best word that I can use (laughs) seemingly fully in your pleasure bodies convulsing and just moving in. I, I was witnessing it and I was thinking this is such an edge that I feel like in a lot of the kind of feminine energetic space and reclamation space. I feel like I see a lot of flowing movement and it felt so refreshing and just so potent and raw and wild to see this, this manic sort of convulsing, (laughs) like just absolutely out of control of your own experience. I'd love for you to kind of take us into that. And you also have a thought stream that you've been sharing about not being afraid of your pleasure and really, really reclaiming your pleasure. Can you open up a little bit more about that?
2: um mm, yes oh I'm 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 so excited to speak to the dance and to the freaky dance I feel like it's the <laughs> that's really the true dance because like you say we we can even um find ourselves performing in dance as women like goddesses and doing our special you know which is great and there's this like inner wild woman that doesn't give a fuck what she looks like and yes completely dances out of tune and shakes her hips and you know really my my boyfriend always laughs. he's like because he's he's a he's a musician and he's like you you're dancing totally out of tune and it's like (laughs) you don't even you can't shame me because I'm in that moment I am feeling my body alive and free and actually in that dance i literally thought i was going to have an orgasm because i was just like humping the floor and we were laughing so hysterically and just being like little girls you know playing and allowing ourselves to to move our bodies in a way that was honest and that's such a liberation for women because our whole lives we have i feel at least for myself as a ballerina as a model been aware of the gaze been aware of somebody watching me and what does it mean to move my body for me moment to moment and oh it's just like that's the pleasure that's the the essence of the slut really it's the essence of the slut who has moved out of her need to perform and please and pleasure the other and really just fucking owns her pleasure for herself and you know yeah it's it's so juicy it's so good it's really yum. you should and it it takes some some going at it it's awkward at first you know you're like what the fuck am I doing like what how how do I do this how do I move my body how do I keep you know activating and yeah it's it's delicious
1: yes I feel like motherhood helps with that as well like seeing your children just dance so wildly like even my little boy he's one years old and he just like loves to like bang his head and I like <laughs> just shake it and he's just so into music and Emma loves music so we're dancing every day and it's just the wildest ways and it's just so beautiful to keep that like I want to like just Like hold it so preciously, you know, because Mm -hmm. like you said, we have been conditioned to be judged to like, oh, you you need to make this look beautiful or it has to be on beat or it has to be certain steps that you need to follow. Mm -hmm. I grew up like when I was a teenager, I grew up thinking, oh, I'm not good at dancing. Because I didn't, I wasn't good at following the steps that someone else told me I should be doing. And I wasn't good at choreographic dancing. I'm still not really good at it because I'm not really good at it. But now I love dancing. And I just like, I just dance however the fuck I want to dance. And it's, Mm. ah, it's so freeing to be at that place. And I noticed that also in, um, you know when i when i hold group programs and we say okay let's just shake out our body let's just dance for a moment and there is there it often comes up the shame right the shame mm-hmm. of like oh or like i have to turn off the camera or like i don't know if i can allow myself to fully just dance right now and how do you how do you help turning that around with Within the archetype of the slut. So I love how we just like naturally float in from the witch into the slut. And why do you think the slut is used as a uh, mm, weapon? As a weapon. Yeah. As a weapon against Mm. one.
2: Yeah. Because it's our most powerful powerful part, our sexual energy can literally mm-hmm. annihilate and transform and create life and the world. And so it's so potent, like sexual energy, when women are really embodied in their sexual energy, it's it's the most powerful force in the world. Mm-hmm. And therefore it's been over time objectified, commercialised, distorted, put shame around like it's a really it was a really purposeful uh, a purposeful tactical weapon of the patriarchy as a form of constriction as a form of yeah a lot making women feel dirty and unworthy of being in pleasure because a woman in pleasure is a free woman is a woman who lives by her own desires who will not put up with the corruption and abuse and exploitation of the earth because she is so alive. She has life. She fights for life. So in how I do it is to be it. And I realized that with, with my work, it's, it's really less and less about talking. Um, It's really about showing and embodying it in myself as a magnetic um, experience for women to then feel and to, to be ignited by, and to explore within themselves. So yeah, I I have to live it. I have to take the pause when I need to, so I can remember what it feels like to have skin and and have a body. And I always say when it comes to the slut, uh, it's actually really all about presence and sensation and slowness, like really, to access true pleasure and even kind of orgasmic states, one has to be able to surrender and, and receive. And I think we, for so long, have been trying to be men in a men's world by doing and doing and doing. And, you know, that's all we knew and could do to survive. Mm. And so the, the radical shift in that mm. is like, how do I rest? How do I receive? How do I be in my body? How do I let myself actually, you know, be touched, touch myself, massage myself, enjoy the cake, the cream, the butter, the chocolate, like really just allow my sensations um, to be satiated. Like that's the slut. She's just so, so in her pleasure.
0: (laughs) You know, this makes me think of another post that you made recently. I think it was on the slut archetype that you were talking about the, maybe it was the sensual slut is the master of masturbation.
2: And yes, the self-sourced,
0: self-sourced slut. (laughs) Oh, self-sourced. Yes, I think this is this is another beautiful piece that I'd love to bring into this conversation. I have to say, growing up as a born again Christian and being, you know, taught that nudity was just the, the most shameful thing, touching ourselves was the most shameful thing. My sister and I were made to wash ourselves with washcloths and my mom always made it very poignant that we were not to touch our naked skin, our naked bodies especially our genitals and learning when i really started witnessing all these sacral plexus imbalances like i remember the first times that i really approached a conscious masturbation session a self pleasure session in front of the mirror and just really taking myself to to places that i had never allowed before and the the awakening the process of of awakening that inner Flame that I had never known before. And now I find myself assigning these pieces of vibrant missions, the homeworks in my one on ones for a lot of my clients to sit with themselves and especially sitting in front of the mirror to really witness what you look like and what you look like, pleasuring yourself. It is so powerful. And I'd love to hear more on your, your piece within this whole master of masturbation. <laughs> mm,
2: yes, yes. Oh, it's it's such a tender piece. And thank you for, for bringing that in because I know that it can be exceptionally challenging to even start that mm-hmm. process of looking at yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
2: I also you know have have so much um compassion and empathy for for women who fear and who are disgusted by their own you know their own bodies their own vaginas and mm-hmm. how it really is a a slow it's really a slow journey of beginning to love these parts and to yeah be witness and be Totally honest in the moment, I feel for myself, I sometimes wanted to be like these really good masturbators and cervical orgasm bliss goddesses. And I was just like, I don't feel it. Like, no, you know, I had so much resistance. I couldn't access that. And I realized, wow, I have to be really slow at this. And I have to also meet the traumas as they arise and the shame that arises. And particularly, like, I really love the shameless slut who's really kinky and dirty and weird and has these strange fantasies that have actually held her back from touching herself because they're just you know, really dark or really what she perceives to be as abnormal. And so I really hold a lot of space for also the the trauma and and the abuse that's happened with women that have maybe distorted their idea of sex or of what's pleasurable even, you know, in BDSM and in wanting to be hurt or wanting, you know, like daddy, like there's all these different parts of, of what lives in our body still that needs to be moved through to then access honest honest connection and honest pleasure so yeah it really is a journey and I the journey is so beautiful because I wouldn't want to just be able to go to cervical orgasm I want to meet parts of myself like day by day year by year and wow there's another door and oh my goodness there's another door and wow now I can actually feel pleasure in my breasts and I didn't even know that this part of my vagina had feeling like I'm just starting to awaken that sensation. You know, it's, it's such a, it's such a beautiful
1: um, yeah. Pathway to paradise. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this so much. While you were talking to I'm like looking at your chart right here and your son is right between Aries and Taurus in the 12th house. And when you were just saying it's the pathway to paradise, 12th house is, (laughs) you know, that paradise, that, that oneness, that peace within yourself. And then that Aries warrior confidence and then Taurus within the body, like the sensuality and the really indulgence in the physical realm and really, being a warrior for Earth, for the mother, for mm. our body, for who we are incarnated as in this lifetime. Mm. Oh, so beautiful.
2: Yes, 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 yes. Yes, because I really believe, and at the core of everything I do, women are the embodiment of the Earth. And if we really are in a crisis of Earth's destruction and exploitation, when women stop allowing or exploiting or destroying their own bodies by this radical receiving of pleasure that's how the earth will transform that's the that's the key it's like it's less about trying to fix outside and really letting our body be the landscape of reparation and reconciliation and repair you know and and pleasure is
1: medicine for that mm-hmm. I just got goosebumps when you were saying that and tears coming into my eyes because yes, absolutely. And I feel that is the inner work that is, that needs to be done. You know, there's obviously outer things that need to be done to protect and to restore earth. And, you know, with the masculine energy, a lot of, a lot of us have been conditioned to only look at the the outside world and and feel like on in order for me to fix like to feel better within myself i need to fix the outside i need mm-hmm. to fix my outside body or i need to fix the my outside surroundings and now you know feeling into like wait it goes the other way around as well i can also start doing the inner work and then i start seeing my outer surroundings shifting and even my body shifting i remember when I went through my own journey of like even body dysmorphia, like thinking that I always had to be skinnier or I, I had to look a certain way because I also came from the modeling industry, Brett as well. And mm. um, just like really going in, I had to first do the inner work of, you know, I went into yoga and I started like my spiritual journey and I started to really, really love my body more and more of it I stopped coloring my hair even that was a big piece of it I stopped putting on makeup and really allowed myself to love myself for who I am in my natural state and that was my personal journey of doing the inner work and then seeing like how my outside body also shifted into what I started to love more and more as well you know Mm -hmm. and it's like it goes back and forth and that's so powerful to be aware that we are able and we are empowered to do the inner work and through that we're also shifting not just our own personal surroundings but actually we're also helping the world as a whole.
0: Mm. Yeah. You know, this brings such a beautiful piece to mind and I'm very curious to know both of your perspectives on this as well. Earlier in this conversation, I was thinking, well, we are about to wrap up a year six collectively. And we all know how year sevens can go. These massive truth, truthy tower moments, big, big changes coming. And I feel like the way that we have social media as this really beautiful window into different pockets of the collective, I know for myself, I have been witnessing so much of this beautiful energy that Annette brings forward today. We're here in season six of Sacred Sister Podcast right now. We've been holding so much of this tending to the self, tending to the garden of the spirit, of the garden of the land, of the garden of the community that we are a part of. And it's so powerful. It's palpable how much energy is being brought forward in the feminine way of we are the change bringers. We are the creators that bring about the higher consciousness to the world. And I feel as though we are about on this precipice. And I'm so looking forward to what this turns into in the year seven and what sorts of towers are falling. And yeah, I just love to hear both of your perspectives on this because it feels so palpable. So much power has been reclaimed in women <laughs> recently. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's so yes. exciting. <laughs> yeah,
2: I actually was getting chills when you were speaking. I didn't realize we were actually in a seventh and it, it makes total sense because there is so much change happening. And the thing that keeps coming to me is like, I love the word radical, clearly like radical self responsibility, ladies, like we can no longer be victims, we can no longer blame, we can no longer point fingers, it is in our hands, like the liberation is here, the opportunity is here, there's no more excuses, there are incredible means of getting yourself out there. And the system may show that, you know, abortion's been taken away, like it may show this attempt, this kind of final attempt to try to contain or oppress us, but that no longer matters because we're creating our own systems, we're creating our own ways of Taking care of our health. Like, I don't need to rely on a healthcare system because I'm a fucking witch. I know herbs, I know plants. It's my responsibility to learn how to heal myself, to have a community, a village of sisters who can support me in business, childcare, food, like whatever it is. We have to really take on that responsibility and just do it, you know, just be doing it, you know, already so yeah that's that's what I feel it's like time is now we're in it
1: <laughs> yes 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 to all of that that was beautiful I feel like that just do it is also such an Aries um, I love it yes, you know just do it like my husband is Aries and, you know I tend to like Think about, you know, like mm, which one? He's like, just do it. Just just do it. I remember sometimes when he would like they would hire him for a modeling agency, but then they would have like a bartending job or something. And I'm like, Do you know how to bartend? He's like, no, I'll learn it. And he's just out always like if <laughs> something comes up, he's like, I'm just gonna do it. I got it. And I just that's what I love so much. My Mars is an Aries too. And I just recently had a class on on Mars and as for as women, Mars is like what we are looking for in a masculine partner. And I just love that Aries energy of like, just fucking do it. It's Mm. (laughs)
0: it's (laughs) yeah, when you enter anything from a space of confidence and just having belief in yourself and you let yourself think quick on your feet, I know a lot of people do get in their heads about things, but yeah. I have an Aries mid heaven and I'm exactly the same way. I have applied for so many jobs and gone into the interview and just be like, I'm getting this job, even though I'm not even necessarily interested in having the job. I just want to get the job. And then I kind of like mm. quit. I don't even like stay in the job.
2: <laughs> Sometimes yes. It's
0: just about proving to myself that I can literally do anything I want.
2: <laughs> totally. Totally. It's been learning
0: responsibility too for myself. <laughs> and you got an Aries man too you do double Aries man I know that just do it energy really really well
2: (laughs) yes yes and and I feel another really important piece and it it really speaks to what you ladies are doing with the sisterhood it's it's also sharing I feel the like co-creation is the answer even with my own work I've I've stopped kind of working alone I love collaborating I want to co-facilitate, I want to keep sharing because I feel that's really going to be the piece, and, and that's kind of the dyke archetype where it's like woman loving women and women healing the trauma and separation and fear and mistrust of each other because that's ultimately what the patriarchy did to disempower us. So long as they're divided, we can keep conquering them. And so the way that we actually continue to liberate is to continue to work in community, work in collaboration, give more, like share, trust that you have enough. And if I, yeah, if I can also ask for help, I feel a big thing is asking for support is creating these networks. Because I know not everybody's an Aries. I know that I have a particular energy. I am like, I don't wait, I initiate. Like that's my role. And then I have sisters who are the closers, are the space holders. Like they will maintain the work. So it's it's really also important to know that we have to work together in order for this to to sustain.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I love that so much that you just mentioned that and brought that into the dike archetype because i was wondering about how you really fully feel into that dyke archetype and it's like the sister Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes
1: yes and i and i feel to talk
2: to it because i know a lot of women are triggered by like the sexualized aspect to it like what does that mean i'm gay or and and it's interesting because i I really see that again as a patriarchal lens Mm -hmm. if women are intimate with each other they must be having sex with each other you know it's like they can't bear they can't like It's so funny. I've had it my whole life. i had really strong sisterhood, like a girlfriend that slept over every weekend. And my parents were like, she's definitely gay. She must be a lesbian. It's like, how can a woman be so close? How could a woman just want to hang out with women all the time? They must be dykes. They must be gay. And that's also part of the like reclamation that yes, I can have intimacy with sisters. It may turn sexual. It may not, but ultimately I have my sister's back. And it really was a word that was used to shame particularly women who, like, protected their women that were maybe more, like, uh, yeah, kind of that it was a threat ultimately to men to have the dike because she was like, I don't need a no man. Like, I'm going to protect my sister. I'm going to protect my woman. Like, I love my woman. And so as a way to shame and kind of, you know, put down that archetype, this mm-hmm. word came in with all its, you know, little pieces of oppressive aspects and so I really bring it as a way to say like no you know look at where you're afraid of of being intimate with women of, of trusting your sisters of having your sisters back of actually standing up for her that's that's really needed as well women
0: mm, something that makes me think of because I, I was wondering how you were using that word too because when I was really feeling into it and like well what do I define that word as. And I feel like a lot of times I hear it used in a way that it's like when a pair, when a same-sex female pair is having a more masculine embodied energy. And then that does make sense the way that you were just saying, it's the way for the man to oppress that woman mm. because, because that woman is taking the role that the man feels that they should have, and how dare you and stay in your lane and <laughs> don't put yes. Trump on my territory.
2: <laughs> yes, totally. It's a big threat. Anything that's a threat, they will then use shame, like tactics, slut, witch, you know, because the witch, the power is her spiritual power. They cannot understand the mystery, they do not know how to like comprehend. A woman that is so connected and so able also to give life to create it's just it's so terrifying it's actually scary and so the only way we can do it is to burn and shame and and put it away you know hide it create an entire like <laughs> yeah I mean it was a brutal brutal witch hunt trial that took place that I think is still having repercussions today that are are not fully known or spoken to.
1: Yeah. It's so important for me to let my daughter know too, you know, we're going around here in the neighborhood, we see the Halloween decorations and it's always this like green skin with a long nose and a wart and this funny hat with a broom and that's the witch and I always make it a point to let her know that we're witches as well. You know, we don't have to look a certain way in order to be a witch. And where do you think that image even came from?
2: Yeah, it was very much media Hollywood driven to make her ugly and old. And so that women wouldn't want to identify with that aspect. It was like, She's the single one, she's the widow. Um, she's scary, she's evil. Uh yeah. Remove and disassociate yourself, ladies, from this part of you. Yeah. And it's so funny. I was reading recently actually a book about the broom, which was kind of related in somewhat to like a phallic penis. Like it was a woman in a broom, she had her own penis, she could fly away when she needed to, she could, you know, go on her own adventures, she would leave the the household the, the the perfect home and misbehave in the night so there's a lot of like symbolic interesting yeah historical parts of the witch but it, it really was a, a very successful tactic to yeah keep us from digging into into this archetype
0: mm-hmm. You know, I'd love to ask you a little bit more, the intimacy piece that you were just talking about really kind of like struck my attention because I feel like so many women are really diving deep into their sister wounds currently and really like excavating what that landscape looks like for them with competition and with, you know, just comparison and jealousy, envy, things like this. and. There is especially in cities, I feel like, or maybe it's just an extension of my own energy that I'm working through. but this fear of of intimacy, this fear mm. of of be of closeness and even just like gentle, friendly touches and things like this, what do you what's like some form of guidance, some form of Even prompts, self reflection prompts, or anything to feel into in order to really begin transmuting some of this? Mm,
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a big one. And it's often actually related to the maternal wound, like whether one received maternal touch from the mother. It's that closeness. And so many of our mothers, I mean, lived in like oppressive structures. So they weren't even really able to express their maternal gentle care. And so when we with another woman, it, it triggers that mother wound and it often will bring up like a lot of resistance or then there's this confusion because of like the sexualizing of it. Like, okay, am I meant to enjoy this? So there's all these thoughts. And I mean for me, I I really invite um yeah, just bit by bit, like holding hands. Um, we do in our workshops, this lying back, like actually just letting yourself be held by a woman. Both women experience the discomfort, Like, can I really hold her? Can I really be received by her? There's this whole thing that goes on and we just keep breathing. And I feel, yeah, the circles are so important. You know, sister circles, it starts by just being vulnerable with your voice. And eventually we do naturally gravitate closer towards that physical intimacy and that touch. And it it really, again, relates back to your ability to touch yourself, to be intimate with your own skin, to receive Softness, like we've we've developed such, um yeah, armory, which we've had to uh, to survive in this world, and slowly but surely, it's like we kind of we're we're melting that away by being in each other's intimate arms and and holding. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I love that you mentioned that armor piece too. I think that us also with bringing in the competition between women. You know, I remember remember those times where I would see another woman as a competition and (laughs) comparing myself to her, to her, the way she looks or the way she expresses herself or the way that other people react to her. And Mm. that's also a part of, you know, the system that we grew up in obviously it helps to divide rather than allowing people to unite, right? Unity Mm -hmm. brings power and division is like, all right, everybody on their own doesn't have as much power as us actually coming together. And then another piece that I wanted to share too is it makes so much sense now for me, like talking through this with the dyke archetype because I've definitely been shamed that way as well. Not that someone Mm -hmm. called me a dyke, But that someone sexualized Mm. my intimacy with my girlfriends, with my sisters. Mm. Mm. And I felt that it was so wrong. Like it just felt so icky. I'm like, that has Mm. that's not sexual. It's like so innocent in a sense. It's just such such a such a Deep love of sisterhood. And it was bothering me so much. And that, like, this piece is just coming out while we were talking. I'm like, oh, yes. It's like that reclamation of the dike to, hey, that is my sister. And it's not shameful. It's not sexual. It's not something that is being objectified, but it's, it's just another expression of love.
2: Yeah. And I, I feel the bitch is coming through now and it's like, like, please like stay the fuck out of my sister circle. Like this has totally. got nothing to do with you. Like whatever I decide to do with my sisters is none of your business. Like, thank you. Goodbye. Like, that's also a thing that women have to learn where we, we do and have learned to care so much and always try to explain ourselves and over explain and I've also like really loved the bitch who is able to just simply say like nope none of your business stay out like this is this is my thing I don't need to explain it especially with like family and friends it's like you can have your thoughts you will always have your thoughts about what I do and frankly, like it's, it's my life and I'm proud and I live in integrity and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a happy person. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really the the freedom.
0: It's like, you don't need everyone to understand. Mm -hmm. That's a trap that I've gotten myself in so much. I have a Gemini stellium and I can find myself overly concerned and not wanting to make moves unless I know that other people will approve or won't have a problem with it. And it's so fascinating to witness these cycles that I can get find myself in sometimes because it's so subconscious until it's not anymore. <laughs> and, then, and then there are so many things that are like, okay, well, why and what and how? And
1: there are just mm. so many
0: realms to really activate the awareness inside of to really reclaim it. Because I think like Hannah, just the way that you were saying, it's like a group of girls is dancing at a music festival or something, sisters just really feeling the music and their goddess flow. And then it's like men can think that that's kind of for them to witness. Mm, and mm. it's that sacred bitch <laughs> that is the reclamation piece. That's like, it's like really just standing in your own power, right? Regardless if onlookers stop if you know a mm. scene seems to be being made it's like because mm. they don't understand what your intention is about it you can continue on in freedom and I guess that's where it seems hard to differentiate because it's like, well, it doesn't matter what they think, but at the same time, they truly think it's for them. And they're like, you know, grabbing phones, making videos, like, fuck yeah, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I see it at music festivals all the time. And that's the kind of stuff that makes me feel unsafe. But then it's really Mm -hmm. just a a reflection of more inner work that I have to do in my own reclamation of power. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And, and finding that, um, like I always think of a bitch as like holding the sort of truth and like really in those moments when women can speak a truth and like use their voices, like you can often cut through a lot of crap and and men feel it. Like they can be really intimidated by a woman who is standing in her truth and speaks very gracefully like what her, what her need is in that moment or what she is not okay with. Mm -hmm. And it it can, it can really diffuse a situation. It's just like Mm -hmm. establishing and developing the confidence to say no Mm -hmm. and to speak up and to, yeah, really define like our containers and our like bodies ultimately. Like I am a body in space. Like I am, I'm, I deserve, I am allowed to be here. You know, like I am here. I feel like we're still establishing that as women. Like, wow, I can be in my body in space, please. You know. So it's, it's a big one.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember the first time someone called me a bitch. I still remember this. Funny enough, I grew up in Germany. So bitch is, you know, a word that was taken in from the English language. So I hadn't heard it for a long period of my life in a sense and I want to say it was maybe like 12 or 13 years old and I was in a bus driving home from school and there was a group of boys teenagers and they were watching me and like sexualizing me and you know flirting or whatever and I just said nope, not interested. And I sat down on on a different chair and then they would just call me, oh, she's, such a, she's such a bitch or bitch. Mm. And I was like, for the first time I heard that word and I'm like, oh my, what is that? And it felt like, it kind of felt like a, like a sword. Like it felt like a weapon. Mm. Mm. And it definitely... Traumatized me in a sense because mm. I think that was maybe also one of the moments where I was like, oh, okay, so if I am a certain wave of men and they find me attractive or they want to flirt or they want to be sweet, I have to be like very gentle with them or very sweet too. Like I can't just tell them, oh, fuck off, I'm not interested because then I'm a bitch. Mm. And that program got me into not good situations in conversations with people that I'm like not interested in but I was just trying to be nice and especially you know working in the modeling industry and we did like you know sometimes these gigs of atmosphere or you know you're just just like around you're just there to like look pretty and like You know, smile at strangers and welcome them and whatever. And people would just start talking to me, and I would be so appalled by them. Like my actual natural Mm -hmm. being would be like, oh, no, get out of my space. But in the work, in the profession, I would have to be nice and sweet and kind and funny or lighthearted or whatever. Oh, I remember those times. And now I'm just like, so. Yeah, I'm I'm stepping more and more into this awareness every time where I am denying my inner bitch. Mm. And every time I am letting her out, I just like, ah, oh, feels so good. You just don't have to go through all this bullshit anymore.
0: <laughs> you can
1: cut yeah. through it.
0: It's so fascinating too because the modeling industry kind of like breeds this atmosphere as well, breeds this like this complacency, like it's kind Mm -hmm. of a part of your job description to be really sweet and kind and nice. I don't know if it would ever occur for you, Hannah, but when I would do atmosphere, sometimes guys would be really handsy. They would think that we're escorts and, you -hmm. know, some people would be, that was the thing. It's like, you know, anything goes in Vegas. And, and there really wasn't even a, like, a a person who had our back, even the people that would hire us for those jobs. It's like, if you go to them and you're like, uh, this guy like keeps kind of grabbing me or like touching me or just won't leave me alone. It's like, they'll tell me to like, go to the other end of the table, but no one would ever like stand up for me and like talk to the, the person at the table head or something like this. And, and in a way that is low level trauma building for the amount of year you're doing it. Yeah, because you don't, (laughs) yeah, you don't feel like you have, like you even have a right to your own space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, even as a waitress
1: too, right? Like in a lot of service
0: professions. And model ones too, like attractive ones where you're kind of hired like as a figure to look at. Mm -hmm.
2: An object. Yeah. 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 This is so big. And and that's why it's so, I feel really important to speak to because it starts young and it basically just like slowly conditions you away from being able to establish boundaries and that kind of, yeah, that shield gets thinner and thinner and then women are being violated. They're not able to say no, like actually really traumatic things can happen from losing that ability to, to use your voice. And like you were saying, that, that word, this is why I really do look at the words because the word's not going anywhere, like bitch, slut, dyke, these words are really, they hold a lot of power. They are in the collective you know, consciousness. They are archetypes that are have been around actually for so long. And so just like you know racial slurs have been used as forms of empowerment when you reclaim a word when you no longer let it be like the weapon against you and like use it for your own you know your own like protection your own you know sword it's like it's just a way of transmutation and that's really why i use the words because i have so many people often ask like why would you want to use these terms like just find new terms or like, I don't want to see that word. It's such an ugly word. It's such a dirty mm. word. And I'm like, I know I've, I've felt the dirtiness of it. I've experienced the shame of, of being called it. And so I just want to allow it to be transmuted because it's not going anywhere. And so at least like, let these young girls know, like, Hey, if someone calls you a bitch, be like, yeah, bitch, thank you. <laughs> like, yes, that's me. <laughs> I can speak my truth. <laughs> I'm a boss.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I love how you actually just tied that back to something you said at the very beginning of the episode, which was at the end of your grounding piece, you said, and let yourself feel the triggers, let yourself feel the triggers. I feel like that is such a empowering invitation because really, it's like, we can say that. And women like us who really sit with those shadows a lot and kind of fucking like get off on it. We really fucking love it. we love that invitation, but for the majority of people alive, (laughs) they may be very new to this work and it can be the most jarring thing in the world to have someone be like, wait, what? Feel into my what? Feel into the very (laughs) thing that makes me feel like the worst in life? Like, why the fuck would I do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's true. I love how you said, like, those are pieces of treasure I see them as. And it's Mm -hmm. so true whenever we really come in from a space that's like, yeah, I have the power to transmute the way that this feels in my body and I'm going to do it. (laughs)
2: Mm, mm, mm. And I really have been like looking deeply into the psyche and like archetypes and aspects as these splits from our own personhood like if we're a whole being and we have these shadow and these shamed parts like my sexuality like my sluttiness if I deny that and like don't want to look at the trigger don't want to talk about the slut like just you know let it go away I just don't want to see it I'm basically splitting a part of myself off and and that's the inner turmoil. And so once I kind of like own these parts and look at the shame and and look at the bitch and knowing within these archetypes, there's obviously like a, a healthy bitch and then there's the distorted bitch that can be very resentful and maybe cold. And yet I can own all of it and therefore find ultimately inner peace because when I am not triggered anymore, I'm free, you know, like you can't keep triggering me if I know my own triggers, if I know my own shadows, if I know what I'm ashamed of, Mm -hmm. it's, it's then like, I can really walk in the world and be like, cool, you know, come at me. Okay. I see that. I feel that I'll love myself back to myself, but it's just, yeah, it it really is such, that's like, that's the liberation. Totally.
0: Yeah. In the realm of psychology, it's this fragmentation that, and the fragmentation occurs whenever the trauma is induced and we separate a part of ourselves, you know, put it in a box, put it in a drawer. Okay. Don't look at that and this is this is such a beautiful way that self-healership is to be reclaimed because we don't have to we can and for really severe trauma it may be necessary for a lot of people to sit on a couch to really work through it with someone to have someone hold space and give us you know really helpful steps to move move about it and safely take the thing out of the box and you know all of that but for a lot of us who are super devoted and in love with this craft and I will say, even the people devoted and in love with this craft do need a therapist sometimes. I'm starting with a therapist very soon. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. But we can do so much of this work with ourselves as well.
2: Mm, totally, totally. So liberating. Yeah. yeah.
1: I just recently had in the multi million dollar self mastermind that I'm facilitating right now we went into the basement of our subconscious, basically seeing ourself as our personhood, as the house, and then going into the basement to like see who is down there that Mm. we kind of locked away and bringing her up. And like first, like, you know, really like stretching like our hand out. I always use astral travel hypnosis to like go into the subconscious and like really like reaching out to our hand and, and seeing, wow, this part of myself, I've really shamed because of a trauma. And we can bring her back. And then she comes back in an empowered state. Mm-hmm. So I love that you were just sharing that, Annette, with the healthy and the distorted archetype mm-hmm. within each of the archetypes and just being aware of the light and shadow. And we can alchemize it. And I also love that you were just sharing, Brett, how even though we're such amazing self healers, there's also a time where we need to ask for support, and we need the help of a mentor, or a coach, or a therapist, or someone that is helping us to be a mirror of reflection, or to be even just holding space for us to feel into that. Bigger step of evolution, or whatever we're moving through. A witness. Mm.
0: A witness. And beyond the self and beyond sisters, mm. even. Hannah and mm. I actually, vulnerably to share, Hannah and I have been moving through this a lot recently. I've been having a lot of my own trauma through losing my parents surfacing just recently. And I had been noticing that I'd been getting super triggered by Hannah because she wasn't holding space in the way that I really wanted her to. And it was having me kind of lash out at her and ultimately she was like, yeah, I, I'm not able to hold space like this. And I was like, oh, it like blasted <laughs> my perception because I was like. Oh. She's not. And that helped me really see with such a clear lens how severe the trauma is that I've experienced through my parents' passing and the ways that they did and witnessing what I did. And it's become Mm -hmm. so normalized to me. But in those moments and through conscious communication and this really devoted sacred sisterhood that we have, it's like, oh, okay, actually, lean in whenever you don't understand something. When you don't understand the way that someone is showing up for you, instead of just being offended and walling yourself off and thinking negatively about them and being super triggered by them, lean in, let yourself communicate on a deeper level of clarity and a deeper level of vulnerability because all the answers are there. And whenever someone is really devoted to your relationship, they're willing to show up in a way that says, I love you and I want to be there for you and I see your pain, but I literally don't have the space for it. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, okay, ball's back in my court. Okay, it's actually not even fair of me to expect her to know how to hold me in this way. Or most people, because it's really fucking yes. severe. <laughs> so yes. I need to find somebody else who's yes. professionally trained in this realm.
2: <laughs> yes, I really love that you brought that. I really appreciate that. And I think your your followers and listeners will too, because it's there's so many layers to sisterhood and friendship and to be vulnerable and admit that we, like even in my love, in my partnership, I really expected him to be able to hold all of me. And then there's these nuanced traumas that he's never come close to that trigger the shit out of him and he just cannot, cannot hold. And and it's actually, it it just creates even more, a feeling of abandonment and aloneness within me to, to ask him of it. And so Mm -hmm. I had to, to realize like, wow, there are different people in my life for different reasons. And there's a reason someone's done somatic training in, you know, particular trauma to, to understand um, the depth of it. So, yeah, that's, that's a really important piece.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) So beautiful. I'm so grateful for this conversation. I feel like we could all just sit around talking all day long. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so, so beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation. Annette. Thank you. Thank you
2: for having me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. I feel really blessed to to speak to you both and it's been really exciting. I feel really alive and and juicy and excited
0: um, Mm -hmm. about what we shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're really curious because I can tell there are probably going to be some some beautiful, sacred beings who want to connect with you on a deeper level. What do you have coming up? How can people get more deeply in touch with you? Mm-hmm. All of that.
2: Yeah, so I actually... Um... I took a a nice pause over the last few months. As I was saying, with work, it really needs to feel true. Um, And the most recent thing that I've collaborated on is I used to run a facilitator training alone. And I have a sister who I was actually dancing with in that video. And we decided, like, why are we doing these trainings alone? Let's just come together. And instead of doing this eight-week, you know, intensive. Let's just take our time next year and have a 6-month journey where we really look at what it means to hold space, what it means to be a leader in our field, in our art and and really go through the 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 journey of all the sisterhood wounds that come up in collaboration in working together in leading like just like you said leading something together, there's still stuff that comes up um, as women when we work together, when we're friends. And so yes, it's it's called the Radical Woman Alumni. And it's it's a program that we're creating next year. So I'm really excited for that.
0: Well congratulations. That sounds super exciting. And then your handle in order for people to find out more about that is Annette Müller.
2: Yeah, it's just my name, E m-u-l-l-e-r um, yeah I'm, I'm active on there I feel like I've made Instagram definitely my expression of art and I'd like that you witness that it's really fun for me to to share
0: on there absolutely yes we'll be including all of these details in the show notes of this episode and yeah, we want to thank you again. We have these beautiful sacred questions that we ask every single one of our guests. Is that what you were just going to mention, Hannah? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is she going to forget it? Or is she going to forget No, no. We have these beautiful sacred questions and you can answer these in a shorter format. We ask every guest them and really it's just whatever rises to the surface. Mm. So what does sacred mean to you?
2: Hmm. Sacred is holy, it is its truth, it's presence. Yeah, it's the it's the absolute honest moment in time. Every moment to moment um, is sacred. Mm.
1: Beautiful. And who is a sacred sister to you and what does it mean to have a sacred sister? Mm,
2: The sacred sister that's coming up is my beautiful friend, Lexi, who's about to get married. And what it means is a woman that absolutely, truly believes in me and my evolution and stands next to me as we commit to this path of liberating ourselves and our fellow women um, through that embodiment of liberation. And yeah, to to really hold one another through the thick and thin and and ugly and beautiful and just to stay and and keep, yeah, keep that devotion.
0: Beautiful. And how do you turn something normal or mundane into something magical or sacred.
2: Mm. Yeah, to I I've, I've struggled even to think of what is mundane. I feel there is a beauty <laughs> in in everything and it's just a perspective shift, I believe. And so when you feel yourself going into boredom or yeah, doubt around the magic, Uh, it's to trust more it's to actually allow yourself to to use the imagination and the yeah experience of your humanness I feel like I want to keep going back to the body like how can I bring my body in because I can see beauty in this I can feel I can hear sounds there's there's so many ways that something that may be numbed out because I'm not present in my body can become alive through yeah embodiment really um and feeling and sensing again
0: (laughs) oh so beautiful and there's this other piece of the story that i had mentioned that i was like i have to just share with her to let her know how deeply these creations served me so when i was looking through your content this morning and especially whenever i saw that that one of you just really in rapture. I started reflecting and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually haven't masturbated. I haven't had an orgasm through touching myself since I found out I was pregnant. I'm almost 10 weeks pregnant right now. Whoa. <laughs>
2: Congratulations.
0: I kind of realized and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. I just, it hasn't been something that really was rising for me to come upon and to feel into. And I sat with myself uh, right after. Right after I was with your content. And I was like, I have to tell her. She just really helped me activate this. It's there's really nothing like just a really, really beautiful self-pleasure practice. There's nothing like that electrifying power that really comes through. Mm,
2: That is just the best, best. um, (laughs) um, Yes. Feedback to receive. Amazing. I love it. Yay.
1: (laughs) And wow, that was just the first time that you just said that publicly. That
0: I'm pregnant? well I have a personal episode that is going to come out later today that is talking about how I'm pregnant but this is good now everybody knows <laughs> <laughs> yes um,
2: congratulations that's beautiful
0: yeah. oh, thank you so much um,
1: Thank you so much, Annette. This was such a beautiful conversation, and we went into all these different archetypes on such a deeper level. And I'm so excited to, yeah, hear from our listeners too. Mm-hmm. What has been activated? I'm so excited to know. Like, what is something that came up? What was already maybe an archetype that you've been really feeling into, or maybe an archetype that you like? Ooh, kind of triggered by. Those are the little prompts that we want to sit with after this episode and really tune deeper into the medicine of each of those four archetypes. So thank you so much, uh, Annette, for being who you are, embodying your full essence and showing up the way that you are in this world and really helping others embodying who they are. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, Mm -hmm. really appreciate you
0: and thank you to each and every one of our sacred being listeners who are sitting here with us now at the end of the episode we hope that this has served you in a way that your ears needed to hear today and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode thank you so much bye-bye namaste Mm, thank you so much for listening to this episode today beloved if it resonated with you we ask you to please share it with your sacred sisters brothers and beings alike you have no idea the impact a simple share can make in someone's day life and growth and another way to show your love and support is by leaving us a
1: rating or review on the app you're tuning into this from And if you hang out on Instagram and your feed is in need of more uplifting and conscious spiritual content, follow us at Sacred Sister Podcast. So with that being said, we hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you in the next episode. Namaste, beloved. Bye.